I'm going to talk to you today about the Mass. The liturgy is what enculturates the gospel for us. What are you, some kind of altar boy? And, and it enculturates it into our day-to-day life, our, our day-to-day existence. It's pretty dang exciting, huh? We're called not to some crapshoot called life, but to an adventure in fidelity that beckons us to cast out to the deep. The Liturgical Institute is proud to present the Liturgy Guys. Guess who won the last quiz? Uh, it wasn't you, Jesse. I think it we was both won. Mwah. Winner, winner, That's French for dinner. me. That's French for Mwah. me. But Chris, being nice enough, is giving you a chance to redeem yourself. Let's do it. Another chance. Multiple choice. Be true false every re- time. Multiple choice. Redeem yourself. Fill in the blank. Yeah. So this is uh, like the first quiz. This is based out of the Roman Missal because it uh, Adoramus Bulletin, which. Uh, Wait, is this oh. like the same quiz but part two? No, 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 no. Different this quiz. Is from, yeah. So the other one was from the January issue. This is from the the um, March issue, which you, you should read because there's an excellent piece by Dr. Ooh. Dennis R. McNamara. Ooh. It's uh, called Le Bain Mystique. Beautiful uh, painting, uh, The Mystical Bath. Yeah. It's fantastic. And you could so use you should read it for that reason. Bath. Plus, if you listen to this podcast and then you go read it, you'll know what all the answers are. So in uh, the year 2020, in uh, Adoramus, what we're doing is focusing on the 50th anniversary of the post-conciliar missile uh, with kind of an understanding that, you said this last time, I think, Dennis, is that too few people actually read the books. Read the books. Everybody has opinions, but too few are based on actually what the book might <laughs> said. So we're taking these uh, quizzes to kind of focus in on some part of the missile to try to familiarize focus. ourselves with uh, different parts of the missile. So the first quiz, if you'll remember, you may be trying to forget, Jesse. I got is, most of them Yeah, right. you did a pretty good job. It was just kind of, you got some of the harder questions. And I magnanimously agreed to get the last answer wrong so we could tie. Yeah. That was, on the Rome, that was on the Roman Missal in general. This quiz that you'll find in the March Bulletin is on the Paschal Triduum in the Ooh. Roman Missal. Oh, I feel okay. more prepared to do Those that. Those are the three days. It's own, is this own liturgical season? Own right? liturgical season. Three days in Friday, Good Friday to Easter Sunday. Well, it begins with the Mass of the Lord's oh, Supper, Thursday, so yeah. Thursday night. Thursday, Friday. And then it ends with so evening prayer. You already on got one wrong. We, oh, did you bring your bell? No, my bell is in Kansas. Because oh. we're all in the same room. That's true. I made another trip to Illinois from Benedictine College in Kansas, which is an awesome place. It is an awesome place. Send your kids there. All right. So here, I'll get my... Uh, are we going to do like a competition again? Like oh, yeah. Or do you just wanna... Jesse is ready to kick right, my... Let me write this down. Jesse, there's still 10 questions. Dennis. All right. Dennis, as the uh, winner last time, do you want to uh, answer first or which defer? Which end zone do you want to defer? Which end zone? Is the uh, first question harder than the second one or easier? Mm, actually, both the first two are both pretty hard. All right. Then... Uh, I'll take the lead here. All right. So question uh, number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. The Mass of the Lord's Supper, the Good Friday Liturgy, and the Easter Vigil each begin at different times during the day. Oh. What are the Missal's directions about these various times? Uh, so the Mass of the Lord's Supper, that's Holy Thursday. Mm-hmm. Easter Vigil is... Saturday, Saturday for Easter, and then, and Friday's Friday. Then the good Friday. The time of day. Well, I think one of them at least is supposed to start after dark, right? Okay, which one? That's the Easter Vigil. The Easter Vigil is supposed to begin in the night. 
right. I can confirm yeah. that that is correct. And, okay. F, and I think somewhere, doesn't it say at 4 p.m. is like a minimum somewhere? Some local no, thing? no, no, because 4 p.m. That's Christmas. That's not dark. Well, it could be if you were like, I don't know, at uh, Ice Station, uh, whatever, in the I don't Arctic know, Circle. Pole, yeah. like as long as it's, it's dark. It has to be dark. Okay. okay. All right, so you give me that. So now you have uh, Mass of the Lord's Supper and Good Friday Liturgy. About the time they start? Like yeah, now again, it's not hours on the necessarily clock? hours on the clock, but directions about the times of day. Some of them might be times on the clock. Oh, yeah. Like okay, got it. So the last, uh, the Good Friday, something's at three o'clock, right? That's on the afternoon of Good Friday, about three o'clock, there takes place the celebration of the Lord's Passion. So it can take place later. later uh, in another letter, this Pascales Solemnitatis, the circular letter, it says not after 9 p.m. Mm. But Whoa. the missile, this is focused on the missile, says 3 o'clock. Okay? So there is a Good Friday curfew. That's yeah. a good Friday. This is okay. basically three questions in one. I want you. It is. I want you credit is. for this. All right. Well, you got two out of three so That's far. It. So now okay, you're so up the, to uh, Mass of the Lord's, Lord's Supper. Supper. What is the instruction about the time of day to it begin the Mass be of the Lord? At supper time. Mm, the Mass of the Lord's Supper is celebrated in the evening at a convenient time. Yeah, supper time. I think evening time. I can give that to him. Yeah, we'll give that to you, Dennis. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. That is pretty good. Those, yeah. are, those are difficult. I was a little nervous there. Yeah. The, the, that, <laughs> that was empty. Anything that rings empty. around here, but okay. All right. oh, wait, I have a plate. It's glass. Okay. All right. That doesn't work very well. See, but, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, these are, these are significant times. They're, they're signs, right? The time is a part of the, the church's ritual system sacramental system. And if you want to bring out the richness of that meaning, you do it in a way that brings out the you richness do. of that If you're going to celebrate the Mass of the Lord's Supper, it doesn't do to do it at lunchtime. Or breakfast. Okay, mm, whatever, that, right? What would the Lord's so breakfast all be? Of these mm, things need to be, all of these need to be uh, followed. Okay, hold on. Good. Right. I know where you were going with that. That was when the... the the apostles were going and they had breakfast. And, and Jesus came, on the beach with the fire and he's like, bring a fish. Fish well, breakfast. Fish for breakfast. Oh my God. That's weird that I knew what you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, well, that's because you're right, biblically literate. For many literate. centuries in the church, mass had to be done before noon. Right. right? They used so to call it the morning kind of odd that this sacrifice. whole thing started in the evening and then everything went to the morning. Before there were right, Easter Let's get to this okay, easy yes. question number two. No. Number easy? two. Okay, Jesse. The Roman Missal anticipates newly baptized adults doing which of the following for the first time at the Easter Vigil? A, bringing forward the bread and wine at the offertory. B, praying the universal prayer. That's the general intercessions. C, receiving Holy Communion. D, being confirmed. E, all of the above. F, Letters A and C. A was bringing forward the gifts. C was receiving communion. I'm going to go with all of the above. Bam! Give him a ding, ding. Yes. Uh, all of the above. So if you are uh, baptized at the Easter vigil, one of the things that the... Oh, they're, they're about to do a ah, toast here. Don't smoke coffee on your oh, boy, It's getting ugly here okay, in the here recording studio. There we go. Nice. That was so lame. Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, if you're baptized at the Easter Vigil, the rite imagines that you will bring forward the gifts. If you're a baptized baby and you can't do that, then your parents are supposed to bring forward the gifts. But this, this is adults here. You're to pray the general intercessions for the first time 
Hey, pay attention, Jesse. This is still your question. Uh, <laughs> you have the answer ready. He doesn't care anymore. I saw a so does that, that convent on does it. That it mean, does that mean, Jesse, that adults have not prayed the universal prayer before the Easter vigil? That does not mean that. It, is, it does mean that, actually. <laughs> Hold on. You didn't Where's let me finish. Where's the buzzer? Wait, how can we undo that bell? I'll take let, it back. You didn't okay, let me finish. Ahead. Explain it. Uh, I can't explain it. It okay. does not not mean that. Uh, there you go. Not, 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 mm-hmm. not, not. Okay, to, uh, to, to exercise priesthood, you need power. And power comes from sacramental character. Oh, so they character. just haven't done it officially. They haven't. They've been powerless to do it. They that's can't why. Offer anything. That's why in the, in the RCIA, the non-baptized are kindly dismissed to go away before any of the priestly stuff gets undergoing because they can't contribute to it. Hmm. Right. So yeah, that's a universal prayer. They receive communion. Now being confirmed, this can be confusing too. Some say that oh, the father will baptize them, and then when then we'll just hold off for the bishop to show up and then he'll do the confirming. That's not how the Missal or the church's canons envision this. When what do the, they envision, Chris? They envision complete initiation, baptism, confirmation, and Bam. first communion Bam. all, at the, all at the same time. All right. Good. Nope, Gosh. that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to find a ringtone that sounds like a bell. You use it. Oh, okay. oh, here we go. Uh, there you go. That's okay. a good one. Okay, good enough. All right. So, what's the score? Uh, one, one. One, one. one. All right. Except he had five multiple choice, and I had to have three answers out of the but blue. We both get so it. It's, it's three to one. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's it's hit and miss. You'll yeah. We'll get some easy ones. Okay. See, here's a true or false. True or false. Oh, oh that's yeah. Easy. Dennis, question number three. True or false? True. If. If pastoral reasons suggest that there be individual veneration of the cross on Good Friday, mm-hmm. a second or third cross may be used if the number of people is very large. Now, is this de jure or de practice? This is what does the missile say? The missile says false. Uh, One cross alone, no matter how long the line takes. (laughs) right. Four hours of line. That's right. One cross alone. One cross. One cross. Now, in the former sacramentary from 1985 that we used all the way up until, what, 2011, it did say if the number of people is uh, large, then a second or even a third cross can be used for the veneration. That hasn't been on the books or in the book for a decade now. Only one cross. And I suppose it's... You know, you don't want to set up some sort of Calvary scene there where are you venering the, the good thieves the good cross thief or the, the bad, bad thieves thief. cross or do you get the Jesus Ooh, cross yeah. or that anyway. would be dismal. Let's uh, get it. That's Ooh. good. Yeah. Yeah. They do say that if there is uh, too many people and not too many people, right? It's not too many. If there's a large number of people that makes this individual veneration uh, impractical, that the priest and some ministers and some of the faithful will venerate. And then what the priest does is he holds up the cross for all to venerate in silence. Does that remind you of any Old Testament story? Oh, when they had to hold Moses' arms up? The no, serpent on the, the stick. Serpent yeah. on the serpent on right? Because the, the people were bit, bitten, oh, yeah. bitten, bited. Bitten. Right. By these uh, serpents. Just so, got me a serpent on So a Moses stick. had to uh, fashion a bronze serpent and it up, put it on a staff, and when he held it up and the people looked at it, they were, they were healed. healed of their bites by the... Uh, the snakes, the serpents. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, and then it says that the cross can be put in another location. For example, in that place where you had Eucharistic adoration after mm-hmm. the Mass of the Lord's Supper, and people can adore the cross and kiss the cross and spend time with the cross the rest of Good Friday. 
All right. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. This is smart. No, you guys are smart. You're batting a thousand. Oh, another multiple guess for you, uh, Jesse. This is number four. Wait, I get multiple guesses? Multiple <laughs> You get one guess at multiple options. The Roman Missal contains seven readings for the Easter Vigil. Still, as the Missal says, where, quote, more serious pastoral circumstances demand it, end quote, their number may be reduced. If the number is reduced, which of the following must be retained? Okay, so here's the seven readings. You, are you looking on your iPhone? For, no, oh, I'm getting in, the buzzer ready. Actually. Oh, the, <laughs> <laughs> not the bell. Huh? Okay, so here are the seven readings. You tell me which must be read. Genesis uh, 1 on the creation of the cosmos. Genesis 22, which is on Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac. Exodus 14 on the passage of the chosen people out of uh, Israel, or out of uh, uh, Egypt, excuse me. Letter D is Isaiah 54 on the vision of the new Jerusalem. E is Isaiah 55 on the salvation that is offered to all. Six is uh, from uh, Baruch chapter 3 on the fountain of wisdom. And the seventh option is from the prophet Ezekiel on the creation of a new heart and a new spirit. Which of those seven must always be read? Oh, I'm so ready for that buzzer. Do you know the answer? (laughs) No. Uh, All right, let me, let me help you. There's only one of them. So you're not looking for two or three or four. There's only one of those. One in seven chance. Which one of those seven has oh, to be there's read? There's two that I want to pick. Okay. It's the more obvious Okay, one. so we're going with the number one, the Genesis? No. Okay, can I say what my second one okay. was? Abraham? Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> no, what is, what is the Easter about? It's about the, what did we read about at the uh, second Sunday of Lent? What were Moses and Elijah talking about? Transfiguration. At the Transfiguration, what were they talking about? The Exodus. The Exodus. Exodus. The Exodus out of Egypt, that's the third option from Exodus 14. That's the one that cannot be omitted. Always have to have that one. (laughs) That's the buzzer. Good (laughs) try. All right. All right. Get so it. who's in the lead? Uh, oh, that's a terrible see. question. Oh, that's a great question. It's a practical question because almost all parishes are going to look for a way to reduce the number of readings. How is that the obvious one? The obvious one is the very first one on the list. Uh, maybe, because I think the most, the clearest foreshadowing of the reality of the Easter Vigil is the exodus out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. That's it. All right. Okay. Number five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Does the Roman Missal, Dennis, mm. prescribe a cross or a crucifix for adoration on Good Friday? I actually know this. I think it prescribes a cross. I think you are right. Hey. You are right. Now, because it's veneration of the cross, not veneration of the corpus. Right? Well, it is, uh, but we should be clear that practice interpretations of this uh, do, in fact, uh, differ. Here's why uh, I think the missal. Well, here's why when you read the missal, it says here's some of the things you'll hear. The missal itself uh, talks about of, uh, about the adoration of the holy cross, and in all the rubrics, it mentions simply holy cross. When the priest or deacon unveils or shows the cross, he says. Behold the wood of the, cross. of the cross. And then he says, on which hung the Savior of the world? But that perhaps is no longer hanging. The veneration of the cross, the adoration of the cross, began in history, in fact, with the veneration of the 
Drew Cross in Jerusalem. Drew Cross, right? So history and the rubrics all seem to point to simply a cross. And there's no word for crucifixion. Well, right? that's true. When, uh, when in the general instruction, right, apparently in Latin, there's no word for crucifix. And so when the documents, the general instruction or the missile wants to say crucifix, they always say a cross on which hangs a figure of Christ crucified. That's, that's the only way that they know how to say crucifix in Latin. And it doesn't say that on Good Friday. Now, as I said, that being said, go ahead and Google uh, Good Friday Liturgy at St. Peter's in uh, Rome, and you'll see the Holy Father venerating a crucifix. crucifix. And nobody, crucif- uh, nobody venerates the cross usually, right? It's the feet of Jesus, the head of Jesus. Like People don't kiss the cross typically as I see it. Uh, well, they don't if there's a, if there's a corpus, corpus on right. it. But, uh, right, and, you know, and even the, the instructions say the priest unveils the right arm of the cross. Hmm. Not necessarily the arm of hmm. the corpus. Yeah. So yeah, this is a question that is, um, I don't know, it, it, it's hard to get a clear answer on. And I suppose if Holy Mother Church were losing sleep over what her children are doing using crosses or crucifix, she'd come out and clearly say one or the other. Well, what's your interpretation? What? I think it's cross. So it's, you could have the cross with a corpus, and, but venerate the cross and not the corpus? Or no, no, I you think, should just have a cross with no corpus and venerate the cross. Well, that's what I think the missile the is saying. strict interpretation. That's what I think the missile is saying. Yeah. All right. How Very. do we get Dennis to lose something here? Because he's getting the easy ones, I think. Yeah. Here's a true or false for you. Yeah, Jesus. baby. What is the first so, word said at the Easter Vigil? This is the... This is... Oh, you're going you're gonna to nail this one, too, because we've we hey. talked about this a lot. Number <laughs> hey, six. That's inappropriate. Sorry. Number six, true or false. The priest carries the Paschal candle false. into to the church at the Easter Vigil. Right. Deacon. The deacon, right? Or it, what, what if there's no deacon? That was no my deacon? question. What if my, my question, dude. No, it was mine. What if there's no deacon? Oh, then, oh, that's a good question. Uh, then an acolyte? Yeah, then somebody else does it, but not yeah. the priest, right? Because, uh, well, you've, we've talked about this before. What's the, what's the sacramental thinking on the question, on the point? This Why? is the question that is because, Dennis because for the Je- Jesse, because in the sacramentary that we used up until 2011, it said the priest carries the cross, but now it doesn't say that. So get behind the rubric here. Why? Uh, because the, I don't know. <laughs> right, because the church is trying to say in sacramental signs and symbols the reality of passing over, which was, as I see it, foreshadowed by the chosen people, where the pillar of column of cloud and the pillar of fire and Moses and the people left Egypt and entered the promise. So the priest is supposed to be Moses? The priest is supposed to be Moses. So it's not that the deacon does it, it's that the priest can't do it. The priest has to symbolize something else. He can't be symbolizing a pillar of fire. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Good. Excellent. All right, I'm going to get my buzzer ready. Points for you. All right, let's see. uh, Oh, yeah, we'll see how Dennis does on this one. This is a multiple choice for you, Dennis. Oh, good. Okay. The Mass of the Lord's Supper ritualizes Jesus' mandatum, that is his command to love one another as I have loved you, by A, taking up a second collection. Yes. B, encouraging all participants to join in the washing of the feet. C, bringing communion to the sick and the homebound. D, mandating the exchange of the sign of peace. Or E, all of the above. You mean to repeat those? No, because... Okay. you know the answer? If I had to risk something valuable to me, like Jesse, I would risk it on letter E. 
All of the above? Yes. That's not right. I thought it was the foot washing at first, but then when it said all should partake, I thought that. I'm so happy right now. Yeah. Okay, so letter A was can I guess the missile mandates taking up a second collection? It doesn't do that. Although, oh, that's right. That that was your joke thing. I shouldn't. (laughs) I should remember that. It does say there is a peculiar rubric for the Mass of the Lord's Supper that says the faithful may bring gifts for the poor to be offered along with the bread and along with the bread and wine at the offertory. So that's unique to the Mass of the Lord's Supper, right? The Jesus given us this mandate to love one another. And so one of the ways the church responds to that is by bringing extra things for the poor. So it's not letter A. There's no second collection. Is it... Can I guess? Uh, sure. Is it the distribution of communion to the sick? To the homebound, right? Homebound? So at the Mass of the Lord's Supper, it says the Eucharist is entrusted. Pouting, silently. Is pouting. entrusted, not that silently, is uh, entrusted from the altar to deacons and other communion ministers to bring the Eucharist to those who are homebound. I would have got firm. that wrong, by the way, Dennis. Yeah. I, I would have answered the same as you. I should have remembered that A was sort of a joke because that yeah. would have ruled out E right away. Yeah. So again, this is Jesus gives a mandate. The church says, okay, how are we going to answer this mandate? Uh, we're going to do it by, and Holy Thursday is called the birthday of the chalice, the birthday of the Eucharist. So on the very day when we celebrate the birthday of the Eucharist, we're going to bring it to, we're going to bring the body of Christ to the body of Christ who is unable to be present. Hey, Chris. Okay. I did that on purpose so Jesse could win. Yeah, all right. right. All right. Okay. I won't tell him. You're going to say that every time. I can hear you both. All right. Now, I still have, <laughs> let's see, that was number seven. Hold, hold on. Can I? I have three to two, Do you have, an, you have yeah. an odd number of questions? Maybe I do. There's ten. One, you said two, there were ten. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. So, Dennis has three points. Jesse has two points, and you've both each missed one, right? Or you've missed one. Because I went, I went first. No, I missed one. You missed one. So, okay. he's just But I'm about to get this one right, so, so it's about to be tied. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. If you can get this right, you'll Give him the hard one. It's not difficult, but it's missed in a lot of places. Okay. Number eight, true or false. At the Easter vigil, the lights in the church building are switched on at the Gloria. And bells are rung. Ah, that's not what I meant. Uh, what's going on? I'm going to say false. You are correct. It is false. Okay, The lights are not put on. When the Gloria is, but sung. it's so pastorally effective. I wish it did say that. It seems it seems like it's most appropriate because we start to get loud. Okay. Well, let, well, first of all, let's establish when the lights are to be put on. If it's not at the Gloria, when are they put on? When are they switched on? Right, because you enter the church, none of the lights are on. That's where you're entering with the Paschal candle and these other flames. When are the lights switched on? You you guys are not alone in uh, <laughs> searching it, for an is answer. Is it before the gospel? Well, the gospel's after the Gloria. Right. Oh, so it's before the Gloria. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When the deacon reaches the front of the church, he sings for the third time. Christ our light. Christ our light. And the people sing, thanks be to God. And, and he puts the candle in the stand and the and lights are put on. Boom. Oh, I don't know. Well, that, that does kind of make sense. Right? I don't know that we did that at my parish. Well, most parish, that, oh. that's what I mean. It, Christ is present. Filled with light. Right. right. It's like um, uh, this. There, there's a good book I read by Father Paul Turner called Glory in the Cross, and it's about the, this, uh, this thing. And it says, it's as if the Paschal candle, the Paschal Christ in the candle, flip himself, ignites yeah. all of the lights in the church. Now, some people think, well, wouldn't it be better to, 
you know, so then you sing the exaltet kind of uh, mm-hmm. in the dark, and then you start to read these Old Testament foreshadows, right? Wouldn't it be better if it were shadowy and dark? That's and what we, like yeah, that's that? what we did. I think, yeah, that's not what you're supposed to do. Oh. Yeah, I think the the idea, a former uh, classmate of mine and LI alum, Father John Mark Missio, mm-hmm. uh, he's the one who said it. This, he says, you know, the Old Testament readings are now read in the light of Christ. You turn the lights on, the Paschal candle has arrived, and now when you go back and read about the creation and the sacrifice of Isaac and the exodus of the chosen people, now they say, ah, now it makes sense. You're not in the dark. You're not in the dark anymore. Mm. So, good. All right, Jesse. Oh, oh. My math says that we're tied. Yes. All right, with two is questions that, is that to new go. math? Do you have a tiebreaker question math. in case we're tied? Uh, yes. You know, I don't. All right. Uh, well, maybe you can think, think of one. Quick. Okay. Well, hopefully one. Give me number nine. We'll see. Number nine. nine. Bells may be rung during the Gloria at the Easter Vigil. At what point during the Triduum had they fallen silent? That is, when was the last time they were used? Hmm. Okay, so they can, be re- they can be rung during the Gloria at the Easter Vigil, but they had been silent from what point? When was the last time that we used the bells during the Triduum? You know, I don't know this off the top of my head, so I have to tease it out a little bit. Theoretically, it could be Mass of the Lord's Supper. Or it could be before that. I would say Mass of the Lord's Supper. Okay. Uh, I need a little more precise. You mean like at the epiclesis of the Mass of the Lord's Supper? Yeah. At what point in the Mass of the Lord's Supper? So not only the day, you want the moment in Uh the last Mass. Right, because we're not ringing the bells all the way throughout that Mass. At what point in the Mass is the last? Yeah, let's get specific. Well, I mean, normally the bell, you're talking about like the server bells, not church bells. Well, it could be either. It could be either, but yeah, if you want, we can talk. Okay, so how about the major elevation at the Mass of the Lord's Supper? Dennis, that is wrong. No! Yeah. At the epiclesis of the Mass of the Lord's Supper? That is also wrong. At the opening of Mass? That is also wrong. Can it be wrong? At the Gloria. Oh! Yeah, at the Gloria at the Mass of the Lord's Supper. Who rings bells during the Gloria at the Mass of the Lord's Supper? (laughs) I'll say I didn't ring a bell for that question answer, that's for sure. I will say that growing up, we never did that in Nebraska, but when I moved to Wisconsin, they do that in every parish. It's just... On Holy Thursday? On or? Holy Thursday, they ring the bells during the Gloria at the Mass of the Lord's Supper, wow. and that's it. Then they fall silent until Can you ring bells at any Gloria every Sunday? Any Sunday Gloria? No, only those two Masses, as far as I know. Well, yeah. you learned me something good here, Chris. All right. Ooh. That was a hard question. Okay, mm-hmm. now, Jesse. It was. Jesse, this, this, better is, be a, equally this hard is kind of a hard one, too. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. But if you get this right, then you are the winner. You get the prize behind curtain number three. Yeah. Dennis. <laughs> Question number 10. Who does the missile expect to lead the singing of the Alleluia prior to the proclamation of the gospel at the Easter Vigil? The deacon, the assembly, the choir and cantor, or the priest celebrant? The priest celebrant. And that is your winner. Yes. So at the gospel acclamation at the Easter Vigil, the missile says that the priest is the one who sings the Alleluia, raising his voice uh, pitch, I think it's the word it uses, each time, and he repeats it three times. And it says something like, only if necessary can he be assisted by the cantor. 
or, or maybe only if necessary. Well, that's for the showing of the cross, actually. The priest is also the one to, to, when he unveils the cross, if he's unveiling it in the sanctuary, the priest is the one who sings, Behold the wood of the cross, etc. The cantor doesn't do it. See, and what is, I think, uh, beautiful about the Triduum liturgies, because they're all about the priestly mediation of Jesus Christ, you know, the, the priestly exercise of Jesus Christ. So if that's the reality, how is the church going to sacramentalize that? Mm-hmm. But by saying, priest, you're going to have to do a lot more things during this triduum than you usually do. Yeah, priest. One of which is that you are going to be the one that's going to have to sing the Alleluia at the Easter Vigil. It's not the cantor's job. It's your job. And then you're going to have to get louder and, and louder, get louder, higher. And sing it higher. Yeah, it, it's actually quite Higher in tinge. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. So anyway, Hallelujah. well, it looks like uh, Jesse is the winner of the uh, uh, Easter triduum in the Roman Missile Quiz uh, with a score of four points to Dennis's three. Three. Did you get so, that last one wrong on purpose too? I got that last one wrong on purpose, Chris. <laughs> you were such a good friend. <laughs> that was anyway, a good quiz, Chris. Point myself out. Thanks. Next time you have to put the questions in a hat, we can pick them so you can't give Jesse the easy ones every time. Well, remember how this started. I let you decide if you wanted to uh, receive that, or oh, to defer. Yeah, whatever. True. Anyway. So. I was gypped. That's all I have to say. (laughs) All right. Well, either way, I hope these uh, shed some light on your uh, Easter triduum. So have a good one, fellas. All right. Let's do a liturgy question. All right. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. All right. I'm going to mope in the corner. So why go to the Liturgical Institute? Well, if you want to serve the church and do liturgical studies from the heart of the church, you won't find any place quite like this. This place is faithful to the magisterium, but it's a dynamic orthodoxy, not dry. And at the same time, it not only makes the faith come alive, it also empowers you to help that be the experience for others as well. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Hahn, and I want to warmly recommend the Liturgical Institute for your consideration. Pray about going and studying and sharing the richness of our living tradition. Mail call! Oh, Moses, Moses, why do you question me? Why do you care? Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? All right. We have a new question this week from Andrew. Andrew says, hey, liturgy guys. Hey, Hey, Andrew. Andrew. (laughs) I'm slowly making my way through your podcast, and I'm really enjoying it. Oh, see, people do listen. Hurry up. I haven't made it through all of your sacred music episodes yet, so pardon me if you've already addressed this. What makes Gregorian chant liturgical? Why does the church grant it pride of place? Is the reason simply that it is scriptural and follows the church year with the readings, or is, is there more to it? Andrew. Well, I can begin with this one. I know Chris has ideas too. Don't think of it as chant as a musical form that suddenly becomes magically liturgical. Think of it as the nature of the liturgy that then is formed, that music is formed to promote the nature of that liturgy, right? So what is the liturgical music? Primarily liturgical text. Starts with the text. Liturgy is a word-based worship. And so we want those words to be said and not substituted for some other song. Secondly, you want those words to be perceived in their depth to have the meaning of those words brought out. And then you want the nature of that music not to distract from the words by being secular or profane or theatrical or any other thing. You want it to be kind of have a universal quality and something that's been reserved for sacred use for a long time. So in many ways, this is just common sense. 
Almost all of this is stated in 1903 document by Pius X, Jesse called God bless you, right, which is a motu proprio on sacred music, which through the 20th century they called the motu proprio, the single mm. motu proprio. Even Little did they ones. know there would be multiple proprios. Right, exactly. So, in a pro-pro. Mm-hmm. Gregorian chant starts with the words. It makes the words dominant. There's Typically they're unaccompanied by instruments. The nature of the music grows from the nature of the words. More important words have more notes. Uh, sometimes the musical intervals correspond to up, down, and so on. If the text goes up and down, Descendit de Celis in chant, for instance, often goes down the scale, and at Resurrection it goes up the scale. And so what are we talking about? Augustine, he who sings praise twice, because one, the content of the words is being known, and then two, the content of the words is being known through the music as well. And so what Pius X said, and it's been reiterated by everybody since then, including Pope Francis, is that chant does this best. Notice, it's not we like old stuff and old music. It's chant does this best. So Pius X forms this rule, and he says things that do, music that does what chant does is more liturgical by definition because it participates in the nature of liturgy. Anything that does it less is less liturgical and less suitable for the liturgy. So again, don't think like a musicologist. Think like a sacramental theologian. How can these words be best known and understood? I can't imagine you have anything to add to that, Chris. Nope. nope. <laughs> I knew that was going. And Andrew, if you want to, Dennis has an amazing class for our online program, uh, an introduction to church's documents on music. You can go to liturgy.online. You can buy that there. It's an amazing course. I know because I filmed it. And I hope that answers your question. And if you have a question for us, you can email us at questions at liturgyguys.com or tweet us at liturgyguys or tweet Dennis at DMAX Super Taster. Or don't text Chris at, what's your phone number? (laughs) 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 All right, thank you and God God bless. bless. Now that's a podcast. The Liturgy Guys is brought to you by the Liturgical Institute at the University of St. Mary of the Lake, Adoremus, Society for the Renewal of the Sacred Liturgy, and the Center for Beauty and Culture at Benedictine College.